Welcome to PR After Hours, your twice-weekly cocktail of business, PR, and marketing tips hosted by me, Alex Greenwood. Every week, we bring you virtual happy hours featuring business advice from entrepreneurs and leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. We're going to get started in just a moment, so stick with us. Okay, who has a podcast then writes an ebook about podcasting and doesn't do an audiobook version of it? Well, not me. I've done that. In fact, I'm very excited to tell you, dear listeners, that the podcast option, my recent top selling ebook on podcasting, my journey through 15 years as a podcaster, broadcaster, host, guest, and observer, is now an audible audiobook. It's really, really, really exciting for me to be able to present this to you through Audible, uh, which is available on Amazon.com, where the ebook link is as well. And in this fast listen, my experience uh, comes to you through stories, practical tips, and advice from my hundreds of hours as a guest, producer, podcast host, and more. And the podcast option, if I say so myself, is mandatory listening for those new to podcasting, and it should be a welcome addition to Veteran Podcasters Library. So check out the podcast option read by yours truly, Alex Greenwood, or as they say there, the J. Alexander Greenwood, because that's my pen name. And that's a long story, which if you dig through my podcast, eventually you'll find out what that means. But the point being today, the podcast option is available now as an audible audiobook. I've got a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Please do me a favor, go get that audiobook. Or if audiobooks aren't your bag, there's also a link for you to get it as an ebook. Again, the podcast option. I certainly hope you will choose it. Finding something that you're really good at and making a living at it, that's kind of the dream, right? Everybody says, oh, you know, if uh, if you do the thing you love, you never work a day in your life, that kind of thing. And, you yeah. know, I, I, I'm kind of dubious of that. And and the guy who we're going to introduce today, though, I suspect might have some, influ- uh, some insights on that. And that's why we're really excited to welcome the CEO of Tumble's Kids Gym and Steam Program. Um, his name is uh, Manish. Vakil, and he is go- started as an entrepreneur when he was in his 20s as a franchisee with multiple kids-related businesses, and he started his own franchise company six years ago and now has eight domestic locations and is opening two international locations in the next year. I'm glad we could just snag him for a few minutes today to welcome into the virtual lounge because we don't talk enough about franchises. And in my opinion, and we're going to ask him right now, in my opinion, franchises are usually something you look at, okay, it's a good investment, but it's also something kind of fun that I can get my hands dirty with and I want to do it. So let's welcome Manish Bakil to the Virtual Lounge. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Alex. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Where does this find you today? Where are you? I am in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. That's a, I met my wife to be there and we were, were married a couple years later. We were at a conference. That's my connection to Houston. So there you oh, go. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we were at a conference six years ago. It's a nice, it's a nice city. I, well, you know, we moved here because it's the most diverse city in America. Didn't realize that when I actually got here, uh, I grew up in New York, outside of New York City, so it was a little bit different there, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah. you don't sound like. Yeah, I grew up in Oklahoma. You don't sound like a Texan, and that's good because Texans <laughs> are the natural enemies to Oklahomans. So it's you know we would. <laughs> hey, Manish, it is so it's so great to have you here. I. 
as I said in the intro, I haven't really done a lot on franchises here on the show. And our audiences is not just PR and marketing people. It's small business owners. It's entrepreneurs. It's people with that mindset. Love to hear just a little bit kicking off here about your story, about how you got into this first. And then we can get into what Tumbles is and how that works. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I have a, a, I guess I, everybody has their own unique story. So in my case now, it sounds very different to me. Uh, you know, wasn't a very good student in school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was more of that. Uh, I don't know if you call it now there's a label on everything that you put on people, but I was kind of scattered brained, uh, all over the place. And, uh, and that kind of works now. And entre- uh, being an entrepreneur, it definitely, that's a, that's a positive now. Uh, but, uh, you know, back then when you were in school, teachers don't look at it that way, you know, you need to focus, but, um, I started, uh, kind of weird, you know, I was working in different jobs and different places. I graduated from Rutgers university in New Jersey, you know, finance economics from there worked on wall street for a little bit. Uh, and then I was doing consulting in different places. And the consulting jobs was kind of different for me, right? I like the idea because when you're scatterbrained, you know, you work for six months at a place and you go to a new project, it works out well. Uh, but then after I got married, uh, I was looking at different businesses and things like that. And I always said, you know what? I want to be my own boss. I had a problem with just working for someone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, using your own ideas and doing your own thing. Um, so bought a, uh, that was kind of nuts in that time frame in 2005. Um, so I was 26, 27 years old at the time and got married in May, moved into a new condo in June, quit my job in July, bought a franchise in August, you know, bought another franchise six months later, bought a third franchise company in uh, four months after that. Now saying it out loud, it sounds insane. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, back then, you know, you're 20 something years old, you can conquer the world, right? That's the way you oh, look yeah. at it, right? So yeah. that fearlessness, uh, uh, you know, luckily it didn't kill me. Uh, so, you know, uh, but uh, it, it ma- makes you stronger. So, but that was the idea. So I started with a franchising business and I looked at uh, education and kids. And the idea was in 2005, six, when I was looking was, you know, you want to find a business that is as recession resistant as it can get, right? Yeah. You want to find a business where, you know, you come out and say, I didn't want to go into food. Food was just a, it was like either a grand slam that you're going to hit to use a baseball analogy, or you were going to strike out, right? Yeah. It's very yeah. different, right? It's very difficult at that point. And, you know, I wanted to go into an area where I was like, what do people always spend money on? No matter what, uh, you know, and I always said kids, right? right? Kids was one, right? So, and I wanted to do something in education to help kids at the end of the day as well, to do something, you know, leave the world a better place than you found it essentially is the idea so if you help kids. So yeah, that's how I started in uh, finding a business uh, and I ended up with a small um, brand that was based out of Colorado uh, and just in the STEAM area, uh, the science, technology, engineering, or STEM, I should say, a, a math area. And then that was a, a not a great idea, to be honest with you, uh, to start off because in franchising is very difficult from that aspect that you don't know how the franchising companies are. You don't know how much support they're going to give you because it's your first time getting into business. Yeah. So you expect the franchise to assist you in doing all the things that you don't know, finding a location, working with a town, what you know, negotiating leases, construction, design, all of these things get into play. But you want to get into a business where you have marketing is set up for you. So you can, you know, you have the infrastructure done to be successful. Yeah. You know, uh, I didn't have that with some of those brands and I had to learn everything myself, which is a positive now because me being a franchisor, 
I can help and we created a system in place in order to help other people build businesses now. I kind of based it on what I didn't have. If that makes sense, it does make sense. Yep, but uh, so that's a great point. I mean, can we elaborate a little bit about that? So, sure. so you think that's something that a lot of people going into franchising uh, can think about? They think, oh, this is going to be soup to nuts. They're turnkey. They're going to help me get all this stuff yeah. done. Is that a common mm-hmm. misconception? Yeah, I, I, well, you know, it, it's it's not a it's not a misconception. It's what's expected, right? Because that's what you're buying as, as you know that's what you're paying for when you become a franchisee. You expect the franchisor to provide all of these tools for you because it's supposed to be a proven business model. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be the support that you get from people who've run these businesses before. So you coming in as a person not knowing this, you're relying on their expertise in order to duplicate that, ex- you know, and duplicate that for yourself in order to have it easier for you to be successful. That's what you're paying the fees for, right? You're paying a franchise fee, you pay the royalties. You know, those are to use the trademarks, the systems and the support. That's what it's for. Uh, you know, that's what you're paying for, not the ongoing support that's going to come, but the idea of a brand name and everything else that comes with it. Um, and that that should be an expectation. It's a rightful expectation. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't be a misconception at that point. Yeah. And yeah, everybody doesn't get that. But that's that, that's that's the issue. That, that, that's, a, that's a big problem. That's a good thing to know. Um, is there a, is there a- I, you hear about franchises, you know, like you want, a lot of people just dying to get into. I don't know if it's still the same, but you talk about food, but like McDonald's, everybody wants to get in that because you, oh, yeah. if you get good location, you're basically printing money, right? Mm-hmm. Once, once you get yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, had you thought yeah. about any, tell me about something that you thought about. That'd be, I'd love to hear just the different types of things you thought about before you settled on where you are now. So, you know, uh, what I originally looked at was, you know, when you come into a business and uh, opening up a location, what are the things I'm not good at? Right. You want to go and find out what things you're not good at and does the franchise that you're going into provide those things for you. You know, in in Tumbles, we always look at this, right? We come out and say, we want to make sure a person really has a personality. Uh, They know how to, you know, manage and they know how to hire local, you know, the the hourly, uh, you know, uh, part-time people, full-time people. Do they they know how to manage people, right? Because in franchising, the one thing that people forget is a franchisor is not allowed to tell you who to hire and who to fire. We can help you train people on the systems because that becomes a joint employer area. So we're not allowed to do that. So you hire your own people and you fire your own people and you build your own team. We can guide you and give you advice on those things in terms of, I shouldn't even say advice, more in terms of what the best practices are, what we've done, right? And that is what's supposed to help you do it. So we look at those things now. Do I want you to know how to do a front flip or a back flip and all of those things that we're doing in the tumbles facility? Right, listen, I'm 44 years old. For me to do a back flip nowadays, that's not exactly happening too well. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but you know, you're walking in. I'm going to say, hey, you do need – I know how to word a spot. I know you should put your hand behind the child's back and how they're going to flip over. Those are the innate skills that you should know, right? You don't need to do it yourself, but you can tell someone – what not to do and what to do in that point, right? Hmm, so, right. you know, these are the skills from a franchising perspective when you're going to a McDonald's or a Subway or any of these other big ones that you're looking at, Chick-fil-A, you know, in the food business that you mentioned, right? You want to make sure the franchisor is providing the skill sets and becoming the essential area of the positive and negative. They fill your negative gaps so your right. positives can shine. And that's the idea. All right, let's, you, you brought up Tumble. So what, what is Tumbles? What's it all about? So we are a kids uh, gym, fitness gym, and a STEAM program. We built a physical education 
program based on developmental milestones. So how kids physically develop at different ages. And we made all the exercises in our facilities based on those ages and how they're gonna develop. So if a child is, you know, we start at four months old in our facilities, right? So if a child wants to learn to walk, what are the first things that are, they're gonna do? You know, most kids will, parents will say, I'm gonna put the kids up on their feet and have them start walking, right? Actually, it's the opposite. You wanna work on the core muscles, right? So the core muscles are doing thumb pull-ups. When you start doing that, they learn to grab and the, uh, they, they learn to grab onto things. Once they learn to grab onto things, they'll pull themselves up and the weight shifts from the upper body to the lower body. So the legs become stronger. Uh, perfect example, like my twin boys, they started walking at seven months and nine months. They went through tumbles. Wow. Yeah, that was insane. My wife is still going crazy about that one because it was like when they were one, they were climbing things and you're worried about what the hell they're going to do. But, uh, <laughs> but that's the fun part of it, right? You know, it's, it's, it's exposure. So Tumbles builds the physical education side. So our mission statement is shaping the minds and bodies of the future. So we have the program for the body on the physical side. Then we created a program for STEM, but we added an A for arts because we believe language arts on that side is very important science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics. But we've created a unique program actually that I haven't seen anywhere else. It's based on bodily kinesthetics. So the idea is, yeah, so this is the cool part whenever, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you on video, obviously the listeners can't see that, but seeing your face there. Uh, bodily kinesthetics, the idea is that you go into a gym, right? Or you go into any classroom and you're doing everything based on theory, right? You know, you ask a child and say, Humpty Dumpty climbed the wall. And the walls, and you ask the child, how tall is the wall? The, the little four-year-old is going to go, it's 500 feet. Now, they don't know the difference of 500 feet or five feet, right? The idea right. that comes in. So we go into the gym then, and we actually build a wall. And we tell the kids, how tall is this wall? And they'll come on and be like, hey, it looks like it's 200 feet. And we tell them, well, it's five and a half feet high. And they're like, what? Now they understand that perception. You're understanding right. the idea. And then we teach them about gravity when they get to jump off the wall and land on a nice mat as opposed to Humpty Dumpty falling down a wall. So, you know, the idea of applied mechanics, right? So you're actually learning this in physical form uh, and you actually get to practice this, not just in theory. So we built a STEAM program that combines the gym together. So the science-based aspect is actually applied. So Tumbles combines these two areas. Uh, we have 3,000 square, we designed 3,000 square foot facilities. Like we said, you said earlier, eight locations. We're opening in uh, in uh, in the Middle East and in Africa by early next year as well. Now, so combination of those two things, and to go out and combat childhood obesity. So the more franchises we can open, the more ambassadors we'll have. More people will come to the program. The kids learn all of these physical education and STEAM programs at an early age. They build the habits, and hopefully, they keep the habits for a long time. And we'll have less obesity, juvenile diabetes, all of these things that we deal with. Oh man, I love that. I love that. 3,000 square feet. So that's, that's that. You've got to find that kind of space, right? So I'm wondering, just yeah. curious as an aside, are a lot of America's sadly closing box stores becoming tumbles locations? That's a great question. So yeah, we go between the 3,000 is the average size. So we go between 2,700 and 32. You're not going to find exactly 3,000. But yeah, we have a real estate company, excuse me, that's working with us. You know, they'll help a franchisee go and find 20 locations. We're opening right now uh, currently, uh, four or five new locations right now, Frisco, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, another one in uh, Naples, Florida. And the, we went and looked at a lot of different ones. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's those big boxes are really big. But yeah. unfortunately, in this climate, we do have a lot of small businesses that are closing yeah. uh, due to the environment. So, yeah, we're, we're, go we're looking at some of those and trying to plan an open um, in those areas. So hopefully it works out well. 
Yeah, I boxed store with that example because they're they're freaking huge, and like the, the, the spirit <laughs> yeah. hallow the spirit Halloween stores have got all those anyway. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's a great point, actually. You're right. I was just thinking about that the other day, and I'm like, that's empty. And I told my wife, I said, guaranteed, it's going to be a Halloween store. You know, <laughs> that's a great model, by the way. It works well. It's it's a, it it's a good idea. I think I think that they're they're killing it, and I go every. I'm a Halloween nut anyway. I take my little girl, and we go every year just to just to look at how silly and fun it is. But anyway, it's great. So uh, I love the fact though that you you're not just having a tumbling gym. You are helping them as you as you brilliantly elaborate on earlier about how you're helping them understand things and 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 to get senses of proportion and de- work on depth perception, work on the science, work on the things that they need to grow their brains as well as their bodies, but also. Uh, Food scarcity is a big deal with me. I know you're not dealing with food scarcity. You're dealing with a lot of kids, though, that have maybe too much of the wrong food and who help fight obesity, and you do all these wonderful things. I love, love, love these aspects. No, I appreciate that. You know, the, the, the big part about it is that it's, it's, it's for all kids, right? Because, right. you know, as they say, there's like a window of opportunity. I think Malcolm Gladwell said that early in a while. You have a window of opportunity with kids. By the time they're seven years old, whatever habits you innately put in them and whatever ex- experiences they have innately stays with them for a lifetime, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the idea is that by the time you're seven years old, you have a lot of these things. So if you're in a tumbles gym, you're not big at this time. You're not obese. You're hopefully, you know, the parents are feeding you the right things. And if they're able to nowadays, the food scarcity that you, that you mentioned becomes an issue because of, you know, many different areas that we're not obviously going to touch on, but you're going into the areas of, you know, uh, what your average income is, what you're able to afford, things like that. Uh, you know, that, that, go, that, that creates a bigger problem. So in our case here, eventual idea is that, you know, we're able to get, a you know create a program create an area that's fun for kids they come in they have a, they run around they jump around and then they leave crying they leave crying is a good thing because they don't oh. want to leave that's the way we look at it right uh, uh so you know the idea is that hopefully we can build these habits into these kids at a young age and it's for all kids you know that they stay fit and the sports readiness is a big part of America as well so we go into all of those things where we actually teach them how to hold the bat we don't know how to teach them how to hit the ball harder but it's to teach them how to hold the bat, which is important. You're not going to be able to hit the ball harder if you don't know how to hold the bat. So That's so great. Uh, well, well, let me, Manesh, Manesh, let me ask you this though. You've got this on your website, and I'd love it if we could just touch on this for a moment. And you sure. you you make this so simple for a guy. Let's say it's me. I'm thinking about opening mm-hmm. a tumbles. It's a seven yeah. step process, and you you line this out. Can we can we go through that a little bit? You yeah. I, yeah first of th- first thing you're doing right is you're asking for info. If that's easy, okay. Yep. But yeah, and, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah, but how does it go from there? Well, so the first thing you're going to do, as you mentioned, right? So you're going to go and open up and you ask for information. We do a qualification. It's very simple. You have, we have a, uh, you know, Jeff, uh, Jeff is our VP of sales. You'll, 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 he'll get in touch with you once you've got the information. He'll ask basic information on what you're looking for, what your personality is, right? You want to take a look and say, what is your skill set? We want to make sure and assess that it's going to be a right fit for you and you're a right fit for us. And that's every franchise. You want to make sure if you're looking for a business, you want to make sure it's a both way. You're interviewing them and they're interviewing you. Yeah. Um, you want to look at it that way. So we'll do that. Uh, so that's the pre-qualification. Essentially, it's a small little form that we fill out, ask you some questions. Why do you want to get into business? What you're doing in business? What your previous skills are? Then we do the call. With, you know, Jeff will get on a call with you, talk to you about all the different things. Uh, you know, that Why do you want to open the business? Kind of get to know you a little bit better. Understand the company. You know, tell you a little bit about our company what we're doing. Um, and then we have a application and a business model review that we do. And that is very simple. Again, what, where are you currently working? And unfortunately it comes into the money 
part of it, pro-opening mm-hmm. any business. <laughs> uh, and But, you know, this is an important part where we also talk about if if you're a right fit, it's a right fit for you, we tell you other options that you can get money from. SBA loans, different yeah. bank things that you, we can actually help you open the business. Not about just saying, well, you, unless you have 200000 300000 dollars $500,000, you, you, know, you have to have it in front of you in order to open the business. The right. idea is to actually, if you're the right person, it's to help you open the business because that's going to do well for you. You're going to create jobs at the same time and you're going to open more businesses after. So the application and business model review we do. After that, you actually get to meet some of our current franchisees. And this is the important part because you want to meet other people that are going to be in your shoes because they're essentially business owners, but they're also colleagues, right? It's a a community. Uh, And we created something for Tumbles Inside where we created like, you know, everybody has these little Facebook groups and all these different social media groups uh, that are there. We created a, a system where you can actually communicate with people who run Tumbles on a daily basis instantaneously. So nice. on that system, you can ask them questions and you get to know how their business is running. What, how, what do they do? What are the pitfalls they run into? Because I'll be honest, Alex, there is no business where you're not going to have some pitfalls. You know what I mean? Everything. Yeah. If somebody tells you that, yeah, I'd be very weary of that one. If everything is all going swimmingly, I doubt that. Uh, so, you know, you want to find out these things by talking to the people. Then after that, you come and visit a Tumbles uh, facility. We meet you there as well, go through the process with you. And then if it's a right fit after that, then we would decide to work together and sign an agreement to open a Tumbles facility in your area. Now, that's, now there, and of course, there's things we can't go into now with the time we have, but I mean, I, there's there's several things too. There's also geography, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get into your secret sauce, but I imagine there may be some metro areas where maybe it's just not a good a good fit maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. Or maybe it's too small an area or, or something like that. Well, no, it's a, that's a great question. We, we look at everything and you know, that, that's an important question actually, Alex, right? Because you want to find out where you're living. People might think, well, there's nothing in my area, right? Why is there nothing in your area? There, there could be a couple of different reasons. Actually, we're opening something in Baton Rouge right now. We originally thought that, right? And we realized that there's so many kids in the area. There's just something, nothing there. So we decided to open something there. And all we look for is like, you know, 9,000, 7 to 10,000 kids within an area, you know, two, three mile radius. You look at access and then we come up with those areas. And th- believe it or not, majority of the areas in the country, you have quite a few people, uh, quite a few areas that you can open these businesses in. Uh, there's quite a few. But yeah, we do a full analysis of that. You go in and look at competing, uh, complementary businesses, competing businesses that are there because, you know, karate places, swim schools, all of these are complementary. Right. Uh, because we start at age four months old. They're not starting karate at one year old. You know, they'll right. do swimming at that same time. They're completely complimentary. You know, I'm a, a, a friend of a couple of franchise operators of a kickboxing gym, which people would know the name of nationally, but I'll, I'll leave that off. But, um, and mm-hmm. I go to that gym I have for years. It's the only thing that keeps me from being completely huge. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> thing that stops me from being just ballooning up. But anyway, um, but I, I have observed the franchise process they've gone through. And, but I like what you just said. It's interesting because they're in little kind of a strip mall area. There's a grocery store over yeah. here or there was, and they're going to do some things. But then they were like the anchor tenant that brought in some other stuff uh, after, over the past two years. Like they went from the, the kickboxing thing, the next door, uh, well, a CBD thing opened up. But, you know, I think you can't go anywhere in America without a CBD. It's the law. There's got to yeah. be a CBD store next to something. But then next to there's like a, a hot box place where you can go sweat in a sauna while you yeah. work out. There's a, as you said, there's a karate dojo that went next to that. Yeah. And it just seems like, all as you said, all these complimentary businesses start kind of, 
I don't say feeding on each other, but complimenting each other, as you said. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. You know, and, and that that's a great thing. Like, you know, you see a nail salon. There's always a nail salon and something in there, right? There's Truth. a pizza place. You know, if yes. you look at it, grocery store that's going to be coming. If you have a pharmacy that's inside at the same time, you're going to be putting like you know any of these little places, and then you'll have a coffee shop at the yep. same time, a karate place if it's a kids business, and yeah, that, that's what makes it tick, right? And it's fantastic, right? Because you go in again. I go with my kids, and I'm like, all right. I'm going to drop you off here. I'm going to do this. I have an hour. I can go get my groceries. If we'll come back here, I'll get a cup of coffee. I get to sit for a few minutes before your class ends, you know? So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's the convenience factor uh, that comes into play because if not, think about it. I mean, you get out of school, you get the kids, you have to drive 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here. By the time you go to somewhere else, you drive somewhere else and you come back and forth. You don't have enough time. Your entire day would be gone. So right. that idea of putting things next to each other, it's a great, it's it's a great, great way to build a shopping center. And a lot of landlords are doing that, right? The good ones will realize that that's why they have like non-compete uh, clauses in the business because we don't want another kid's gym opening in the same plaza as us. That doesn't right. make any sense because they're not going to be in business. We're not going to do well and they're not going to do well. And that's not good for anybody. There's right. plenty of business to go around for everybody in this country. We got 350 million people. So, I mean, we should be able to have plenty of businesses be successful. So. Sounds, sounds right. Okay. Well, you know, we, we, I've sadly got to wrap this up. I enjoyed this so much, yeah. but I'd love it if you if you had any final advice. Let's just step back again. Um, final advice for any of our listeners who may be thinking, I'm looking into a franchise. Any final bit of advice you maybe haven't dropped on us now, or you can reinforce something you've already said. Whatever you'd like. No, no, definitely. You know, the first thing I would tell you is look at yourself and your skill sets. Right. You know, uh, because you want to take a look at it and say, hey, listen, if you're an if you're not a really extroverted person that's going to go out, I wouldn't really expect you to go and open up a public speaking business or training people on those areas. You know, right. and, you know, and if you're if you're not, you know, if you're not into the food area and handling those things and I wouldn't go into that area. So look at your own personal skill sets and assess them and buy a business or get into a business that enhances your skill sets. That's the one thing a lot of people forget. They always look at profits and they always look at saying, how much is that going to make me and whatnot. But every business can be successful based on how you operate it. That's the key. And that it's, it depends on you personally. So I would say, look at that. Uh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, Manesh Fakil, he is the founder and CEO of Tumbles. It's a kids gym and steam program. And you can find out more at tumbles.net. Don't worry if you're driving or if you're at the kickboxing gym. You don't have to write that down. It's going to be in the show notes at prafterhours.com. Don't forget, tumbles.net. Uh, Manesh, have I missed any other way to get in touch with you, or is that the no, best way? No, you got it. No, that's All the right. best way. You can also find me on LinkedIn, I'm sure, if you want to reach out that way, too. Uh-oh, now I'm going to connect with you. What are you going to do now? Uh, you can't. You can run, but you can't hide, brother. Um, no, no. Manesh Fakil, thanks for joining us here in the virtual lounge. It was indeed a pleasure. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Alex. Really, thank you. Oh, you know what that means? Looks like it's last call here at your virtual lounge for PR news views and interviews. Don't forget, you can ask me a question anytime. You can do it through our Twitter account, which is at ours PR. Or even better, you can send me a message vocally. I would love to hear your voice and I'll answer it on the show. There's a link in the show notes. All you have to do is sign up through Anchor FM. It's free, doesn't take long and you record your message, I get the message, I will play your audio, just give me your first name and the city you live in, and then I will answer the question to the best of my ability right here on the show. Don't forget to, if you're enjoying this podcast, you can support it and help increase the frequency and value of the show. 
just consider being a sponsor for your brand or your agency or just yourself because you're like, I like this show. Or just drop a few coins in the virtual tip jar. Either way, there's links in the show notes. Please check that out. All of that, of course, being in the show notes where you're listening right now or at PRAfterHours.com. I see that they're turning up the lights. Last call is over, and I've got to clean up this virtual lounge. And until next time, I'm Alex Greenwood, and you've been listening to PR After Hours on Anchor FM.